Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night. This is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn. You have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that guy, you homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J-Cat Morris, as always. Um, tonight, I'm going to do uh, something a little different and bring back an old friend in my man, Christian Simpson from the Daily Blitz. What's going on, man? What's going on, man? It's good to talk to you. Yeah, man. It's been a while. It's been a while. I see you cut the beard off and all that. I mean, damn, <laughs> yeah, J-Cat. Yeah. yeah, man. You always got to make changes. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, man. Yeah, so, um, you know, the NFL draft really, you know, gets people hyped up for football season, even though we're, you know, a bit away from it. But uh, I figured I'd have you on, do a quick run through of the league and, you know, just the different offseason moves that the teams have made and what kind of changes you think it's going to make in the divisions. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I'm here for it. Yeah, man. Um, so let's start off in the NFC. Let's go NFC East. Obviously, you know, Dallas was somewhat of a force last year. They, right. you know, parted ways with Tony Romo on a permanent basis in the offseason. And, um, you know, the Giants weren't too, too far behind them. They did their late season stretch, you know. But um, w- what do you think the big moves on the offseason for the NFC East is and what, what the shakeup's going to be? 
Well, definitely the Giants getting Brandon Marshall. You know, he wanted to stay in that area. He didn't want to move his family. He's staying in the same stadium, just changing uniform colors now. And for so long, ever since Odell Beckham has got there, I've been saying this team needs an offensive weapon, not named Odell Beckham to step up. You thought it would have been Victor Cruz, but he really hadn't been the same since messing up his knee, what, two or three years ago. They bring in Sterling Shepard. He was kind of a nice quality asset, if you think about it. The running game really didn't stand out to me last year, but now the Giants, they have a nice little offensive core, J-Cat. The offensive Mm -hmm. line, I think, is going to really be key. Eli Manning, he has the experience. Odell Beckham, I think he's a top three receiver in the game right now. Brandon Marshall's still serviceable. I know he's older, and I know, you know, he's had his issues. He's bounced around from team to team to team, but he has a good shot to make make the playoffs for the first time in his career this year. You're talking about a guy that's 6'4", but plays like he's about 5'10 or 5'11". Just with his ability to move in space, you can line him up in the slot. You have to have safety help over the top when you're playing a guy like a Brandon Marshall because one-on-one, Coverage, excuse me, is almost disrespectful to him. You got to have that safety hell. He's a threat in the red zone, and you know it's going to be interesting. But the one thing I will say is, you know, if Odell or Brandon aren't getting the ball, who's going to kind of be that diva and start complaining? That's the one thing that I think I'm the most concerned about, and that's the one thing I want to see how Eli handles that because Eli's not really a, a vocal leader like his brother was. Eli's more of a guy that likes to lead by example. So I'm just curious to see how this pans out. But I really think the big X factor for the Giants, it's going to be the offensive line because if you can't protect up front, then bad things are going to happen for your quarterback. He's not going to have time to throw, and then he's going to end up getting, getting ticked off. So that, to me, in the NFC East was the biggest move by far. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they cooperate on that team and stuff because Odell is tremendously dangerous, but in the same token, uh, I think emotionally soft. I mean, you see what Josh Norman does to that dude every time they play. So um, I do wonder what it's going to be like to have another big receiver on that on that field. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're in for it. The NFC East, you know, I, I've always called that the most unpredictable division of football. Because think about it, J-Cat. There's never really a clear-cut favorite coming in. Like a couple years ago, the Eagles were the projected favorite, and the Redskins end up winning the division, you know. Those years right. when the Giants won the Super Bowl, well, 2012, perfect example that year, Dallas, they were projected to win that division, and the Giants just came out of nowhere and won it. So there's never really a clear-cut favorite to win that division. Yeah, and, um, you know, what do you think about the Eagles and what they've done with their receiving core? And, you well, know, quarterback they came out. had Carson to... Wentz, a couple more yeah. weapons. You know, they got Torrey Smith. He's going to bring a nice little veteran presence. He's been here. He's done that. He brings that veteran savviness and that championship pedigree because the guy has won a Super Bowl. You sign Alshon Jeffrey to a one-year deal. Let's see what mm-hmm. he does to that. Uh, he's not really a guy that I can – make my number one wide receiver. He showed that here in Chicago with Jay Cutler and the Bears, and it just hasn't panned out, man. It, it just didn't pan out at all. He's more of a complimentary receiver. And then you have Jordan Matthews as well. This could be a pretty good receiving tandem for Carson Wentz, and not to mention they have two really good tight ends. They have Brent Selick still, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, and the best tight end that nobody ever talks about. And I think he's one of the more underrated football players 
not just in that division, but I think in a league, and he goes by the name of Zach Ertz. You know, you're talking about a big tree over the middle that can run the seam. You can use him in a variety of ways. He's quick. He can move with the football in his hand. He moves well to get open in order to get the football. And, you know, he. I think he's going to benefit from all these receivers the most because Jordan Matthews is going to draw a lot of attention, obviously. Torrey Smith, I mean – he runs the same route to me, as my buddy Nick would say. You know, he runs that same seven route, that fly route down the field. Yeah. And Alshon Jeffrey, he's really hit or miss. You really don't know what you're going to get. But I'm just curious to see what Carson Wentz is going to do in year two because he started out pretty hot, led them to the first three wins, and then he looked like a rookie as we expected him to. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so the NFC North, obviously, uh, you know, Green Bay squeaked it out at the end of the season. It was them and Detroit, you know, neck and neck, and they ended up with the playoff, you know, winning that division, but really not right. not a stellar division. But um, you know, what do you think the big shakeups are here? Obviously, Adrian Peterson's out of Minnesota. He wasn't really a factor last year, though. Uh, no, but, uh, he wasn't. You- and- you know, injuries have really taken a toll on him. And I know we'll get to that division in a couple of minutes, sure. the NFC South, I'm sure, because I have a really interesting take. And I kind of want you to see where I'm coming from with it. Okay. But I think the biggest move that was made in this division, really there are two of them. One, the Bears finally deciding to move on from Jay Cutler after so many years in talks of it actually happening. You know, look, he had somewhat of a nice run. There were games when – you know, he played hard, but I think after that NFC title game against Green Bay all uh, those years ago when he was sitting on the sideline not even attempting to go back in, I think that just kind of rubbed Bears fans the wrong way, and they never really looked at him the same. And, you know, I've always said this about Jay Cutler for years. You know, you can pay a guy for his athletic ability all you want, but you can't pay a guy to lead. And that's what I think the Bears are doing. You can't force somebody to do what it is they don't want to do. And that that's the thing, because you look at so many quarterbacks in the league today, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees, Eli Manning, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck. And the one thing all those guys have in common is when they make a mistake, they're looking on how to get better from it, bounce back from it, and they show some frustration. They're angry with themselves, especially Brady. When he makes them, he's close as close to a football professionist as I think I've ever seen next to Peyton Manning. To mm-hmm. be completely honest, but you didn't get any of that with Jay Cutler. His body language was just terrible, and that spoke a lot to me more than his play on the field. That I think the other biggest thing was the Bears adding another, the Packers adding another weapon for Aaron Rodgers. Now you have Jordy Nelson, you have Randall Cobb, you have Devontae Adams, who decided to learn how to catch the football next year, uh, last year. Running back, they're still uncertain because I don't know if Ty Montgomery can is durable enough to be there every down running back. But them adding Martellus Bennett was huge. This is another tree over the middle of the field, an athletic tight end that can space things out. And it's been pretty impressive. Listen to the quarterbacks he's played with. Came into the league playing with Tony Romo. Uh, He's played with Eli Manning. Played with Tom Brady last year and won a Super Bowl with him. Now Mm. he's playing with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty good lineup. Now with Chicago, though, I mean – you know, obviously you got the guy coming in, uh, and, uh, you know, as a rookie quarterback, the team won three games. They got rid of one of their bigger wide receivers. I mean, this this guy's going to get fed to the Wolves. Do you think he stands a chance coming into his rookie year? Um, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Mike Glennon's not going to be there 
for the long haul. You know, he's what I call a bridge quarterback, meaning, you know, they're going to play him until they feel Mitchell Trubisky is, is ready to take that next step. And I know a lot of Bears fans are disappointed in what happened. I mean, I was shocked, as I'm sure you were, because they traded yeah. up with your boys, J-Cat, and the Bears didn't even have – the 49ers, I don't think, even had a quarterback on their radar in the first draft. No. They had their eyes on one guy the entire time, Solomon Thomas. And to trade up, you pretty much gave up, uh, you know, a big chunk of your future to get him now. Five years from now, if this pans out, I think we'll forget about what happened and we can say, hey, it was a risk. It was a risky move that paid off. Yeah, because I I think that was an unnecessary trade. They gave up a lot for something that we weren't going to take. They were next up on the board. They didn't jump three spots. The way I look at it and the way I break it down, because I've been telling people out here this, you know, they were given a prime rib dinner or, you know, a top-of-the-line dinner with some of the finest foods you can think of, a.k.a. the four best defensive players still on the board after the top defensive player was selected by the Cleveland Browns and Miles Garrett, you know, they've had defensive problems for years, probably since Brian Urlacher retired. They really don't have that guy that you mm-hmm. can build your defense around, and they passed that up. Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, NFC South, um, you know, Atlanta was uh, seemingly unstoppable last year for a good portion of the year. Their offense was just bananas, and – what happened to them in the Super Bowl is still a complete mystery to me because they own the Patriots for two quarters. And, um, you know, I mean, the bottom just completely fell out. But that offense just seemed completely unstoppable for a long portion of the season. Um, just monster numbers. Uh, you know, some other teams in the division started to make some moves. Carolina, who, you know, went so far the year previous, completely fell out. What do you think the shakeups in this division are and who's who's going to, you know, resurface as uh, contenders? Well, that's a good question. Um, and this was a division I was looking forward to talking to with you. I, you know, I look at Atlanta. And, I mean, they're the team to beat right now. This is an interesting division because you have the last two uh, MVPs in this division, Cam Newton and Matt Ryan. And I saw a lot uh, of Cam in Matt Ryan last year. Just his ability to take games over, but the only difference is Matt had his go-to receiver last year. Cam didn't that year when he won MVP. But, you know, I look at the biggest signing. There were two of them that – really three of them, if you think about it, that stood out to me. The first one, Deshaun Jackson going to to Tampa Bay, giving Jameis Winston another weapon and potentially forming him up with Mike Evans, and that's a a, a pretty solid – wide receiver tandem and Jameis just has weapons now across the board to play with and this is a kid that's gotten better just from his Florida State days when he was immature now to the NFL where he's really taking on that leadership role Carolina getting Captain Munnerlyn back this is a veteran for their defense I mean I think they're one of the best defenses in football when it's all said and done last year they really missed Josh Norman and teams were attacking their secondary because they had two rookies on the edges in that secondary, defending wide receivers, lose Josh Norman. It, to me, he was kind of, he was kind of like their Draymond Green of some sorts. Not kicking people and playing dirty, J. Cat, but just mm-hmm. the guy that was really the heart and soul of your defense. And when he left, everything just went down from there. They drafted Christian McCaffrey, which I thought was a really good move. That offensive line has to get better for Carolina. And 
you know, what Cam are we going to see? Cam has all his weapons now. Kelvin Benjamin is there. Devin Funches is there. Greg Olson is there. This is a big football team. You're talking mm-hmm. about Cam being, what, 6'4", 6'5". Kelvin yeah. Benjamin is all 6'5". Devin Funches is 6'5". Greg Olson over the middle, 6'4". So, you know, this is a big football team across the board. And then Luke Keekley, can he stay healthy? I think that's going to be the biggest thing. But it comes down to, like, what I said about the Giants. Their offensive line, because Cam really had no time to throw the football last year yeah. in the uh, in the pocket. You know, he's running for his life. He's taking unnecessary hits. And you play as well as those five guys up front. And I think the biggest signing in this division is the Adrian Peterson move. And he said he wanted to go to a winner. He said he wanted to go to a team that could contend. And that's not the Saints right now, but I think this is the only team where he was almost forced to sign with them just to say, you know, I, I have a job at this point. And I'm curious to see how he's going to be used because the way I look at it, Drew Brees is what I call the volume passer, meaning he has to throw the football 45 to 50 times per game in order for the, uh, for the Saints to win. And it's just him. If you think about it, they don't have a defense. Their offense is their defense. And Drew Brees is still one of the best quarterbacks in the business. He can retire now. And he would be a lead pipe block for Canton in five years. Adrian Peterson yeah. is a, a volume runner, meaning he has to touch the football 25 to 30 times to have an impact. He's not a guy that's going to you know, benefit or the team can benefit from him carrying the football five times for 50 yards. So I'm curious to see how Sean Payton's going to use both him and Mark Ingram. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that um, Adrian Peterson could still be that type of, um, you know, every down back and impact player the way he was. You know, when these guys get down the end of their career, a lot of times you get some bad feelings. Obviously, he had the whole thing with the kid and everything, which gave a lot of people bad feelings. But following that, he had his injury. And, um, you know, going into the end of last season, he pretty much made the statement that I'm only going to come back this year if, if we're a playoff contender. So you're really, you know, you had like a bad just vibe about his, his attitude about football at that point. Look, and I man, guess, you know. Saints, look, with the Saints, you know what you're going to get from their offense. They're going to spread you out. They're going to run the mm-hmm. foot. They're going to spread those receivers out. If you're This football team is almost like a basketball team on grass. If you think about it, they're quick, they're athletic, they have, you know, their their anchor or their distributor, aka Drew Brees. And if you're open down the field, you're gonna you're gonna get the ball, plain and simple. But I'm surprised this offense has still been able to put up as many points as they have. And they've lost two of their biggest weapons. You know, they lose Jimmy Graham a couple years ago. They trade him. Mm-hmm. And then this year you trade Brandon Cooks and we're gonna get into that, I know, when we talk about the AFC. Yeah. Well, the Saints' defense, it seems to be just horrendous. I mean, they, That's the they can put up. That's the problem. I mean, look, they're playing too much zone coverage. They're <laughs> they're not tackling. They're getting pushed off the line of scrimmage four and five yards per mm-hmm. play. They're, they're corners. They're not covering ground. They're dependent on those guys up front to make plays, and they feel they can just naturally make plays on the football. And it just doesn't work like that. Everybody has to do their part, all the loving guys. Yeah. So then, obviously, uh, you know, the last division in the NFC, the NFC West. Uh, you say you know, the last. Division we've ruled many and many a times in the past couple of years has not been one of those times. Um, Seattle, you know, they're hanging around as, as leader of this division, but I, I haven't had faith in it. You know, it's partially hate-based, but 
I haven't had faith in the Seattle team the way I've seen them as a dominant team in the past. This is a very beatable team. Um, you know, what's what's your thoughts on the uh, the NFC West and the moves that are made off season? Yeah, I'll agree with you. This is a very beatable team because look at how poorly they played in that playoff game against Atlanta. And we talk about Cam Chancellor possibly being the most important player on that defense, which you can understand. But what about Earl Thomas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, what about Earl Thomas? You know, he went down and everything just kind of shot down from there. You know, you look at it, you're talking about a guy who – uh, great in coverage, he could tackle uh, a guy kind of like their enforcer with Cam Chancellor, if you think yeah. about it. You know, and every team after he broke his leg just attacked that part of the field. They couldn't tackle, and Seattle had a ton of offensive line problems. Russell Wilson's running back for running for his life, and I think Marshawn Lynch was a more important piece than people really gave him credit for. You know, he kind of set the tone, and that allowed Russell Wilson to take those shots down the field. He was, but there was definitely a point where, you know, he went down and um, Rawls came in as a better – like, he was a better back at the time, which is weird because Marshawn was such a staple of that team for so long, but he was almost like old legs at that point. You know, I won't necessarily say old legs. You know, I think teams just kind of ganged up on him and found out a way to stop him. You know, mm-hmm. put the game in the hands of Russell Wilson. He's shown you he can take games over. You know, he, he's no slouch. He's just not a running quarterback. He's become more comfortable in passing. I think he and Doug Baldwin have really become a top five quarterback wide receiver tandem. When I see Doug Baldwin play, I see a lot of Steve Smith Sr., the guy who just retired from Baltimore, mm-hmm. just tough, makes those catches over the middle, gritty. And he wants you to know – who he is, but, you know, I want to see what Seattle's defense does because it seems like, you know, they've kind of lost their luster in some ways. You know, you can attack Richard Sherman by putting a smaller receiver on him. He struggles against guys like, you know, Deshaun Jackson, uh, you know, those smaller guys, Odell Beckham, things like that. He prefers those bigger wide receivers Mm -hmm. to defend. Yeah. You know, and it's with him too. Uh he he's disgruntled. He actually wanted out, you know, and they couldn't make a big enough deal to to get him moved because they they want big big things for him obviously. But um I wonder if that that turns him in a in a bad direction or good. I mean, he could just be auditioning for a new team and have the, you know, best year of his career or, you know, he could play a little disgruntled out there. Yeah, that's true. Um you know, I'm just curious to see how this plays out. I just want to see how this Seattle team bounces back because two years ago, a few years ago, you know, this was a team that was representing the conference in the Super Bowl. They won it against Denver. They lost that heartbreaker against New England. And then the last two years, they've lost in a divisional round. You lose to Carolina. You almost come back and beat Carolina. And then you just get absolutely slapped in the mouth against Atlanta. And I just don't really think Seattle had enough in that game against Atlanta to stop that Falcons offense, like you said. They were just unstoppable. They were unbeatable. You know, it just seemed like they were impossible to bring down Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, uh, Tevin Coleman, Muhammad Sanu, Taylor Gabriel, Atoy Lolo, their, uh, their tight end, and then Devontae Freeman, of course, coming out that backfield. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, You know, we won two games last year. They were both against the Rams. So we beat one team last year. Um, 
you know, we, we've been in the bottom. Uh, we did some big, big things in the front office and coaching wise. And, uh, you know, obviously we have big changes coming. Uh, we seemingly made one of the biggest draft selections, you know, as far as, you know, what we did and the moves we made, um, couple you know a bunch of off-season signings um you know what's your thoughts on uh, you know what it looks like you know uh i love the kyle first let me start with um them hiring john lynch you know he for this to be his first draft he did a tremendous job and i think you would say that as well and he knows oh, yeah. the game really well you know when he played he was one of the best safeties in the league. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's going to get in in due time. And then just hearing him as an analyst, very smart, you know, very concise, great breakdown of the game. And I just think San Francisco, it was kind of risky at first when you thought about it. But when you saw the moves that he made, look at what happened. I mean, you draft, I think, the second-best defensive player in Solomon Thomas. You draft him. You know, you add a lot of nice other pieces. You add Reuben Foster from Alabama, and we were talking about this off the mic, J-Cat, about Reuben Foster being that Patrick Willis replacement. So he's Mm -hmm. thinking, he's trying to build that defense back up. You hire an offensive-minded coach in Kyle Shanahan, and he just worked with an MVP in Matt Ryan. So let's see what he does out here with with the 49ers and whoever they're going to start at quarterback. Yeah. And what's your thoughts on – you know, Ruben Foster, uh, you know, you, you're talking about this guy being a beast all over the field player. You know, I, I watched some highlight clips of him. The guy looks like an animal. And then I find out, well, the reason he slipped down the draft is everyone's really concerned about his shoulder. He had an off-season surgery. Uh, they're saying it might not have taken. He might need another surgery. You know, they've debunked some of that. They've said, nah, that's not the case, whatever. Um, Lynch went as far as to say that, look, worst case scenario, he doesn't play this year and we still have, you know, a, a top pick for our next year. Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah. On? Yeah. Well, you know, having watched college and analyzing that as well, look, no disrespect to Miles Garrett, but when I look at a defensive player based on just pure speed and explosiveness, that's Reuben Foster to a T. I mean, the guy, he look when he runs, it looks like he's been fired out of a cannon. He gets to the ball carrier. He's physical. He swarms blockers. As a, he's almost a magnetic force for the football. So he can get to the ball carrier on a perimeter. He can rush the passer. He can drop back and cover people. And he's a natural leader as well. And that's something the 49ers have really lacked since Patrick Willis retired. So I think it's a nice little fit. You know, you have him, Armstead. Who was uh, your first pick last year? I can't think of his name right now. Buckner. Right, DeForest Buckner. Buckner. You know, you have potentially Navarro Bowman coming back, you know, and then Reuben Foster in the middle. This could be a pretty formidable defense. I'm not saying it'll be like all those years when Harbaugh was there because that defense was just on a different level. But, you know, they could be back to that elite category. But I was a big fan of Reuben Foster in college, uh, I thought he was the best player, defensive player on Alabama, not named Jonathan Allen. Yeah, I definitely, obviously, super, super excited to see the different look that we show up with. Um, another big concern is uh, they're saying that uh, Aaron Lynch showed up 20 pounds overweight and might actually get cut from the team. This is a guy who was 
you know, one of our best pass rushers and, you know, young player. We were hoping for a big future out of this guy, and he might very well just get cut. Yeah, man, you can't come you can't come back to the field any type of overweight. I know these guys feel like they could lose it any time, but, you know, there really is no off season as so many of these players would say you got to keep yourself in the best shape possible. Yeah, and, you know, this new coaching staff isn't about to be made a fool of, so – He's going to lose his job if he doesn't get it right. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, all right, over to the AFC. Obviously, uh, the reigning champs, the New England Patriots, uh, just the system that they have in place is, is just a juggernaut. Um, you know, you could say Brady is this and this and this, but when it comes down to the football team that Bill Belichick runs, you could take a backup and make him look like an all-star. You could, you know, take wide receivers that could barely make a team and turn them into, you know, just game breakers. It's just, they have such an organization going for them that they seem to just, they're going to be in the mix. I mean, you could just sign them up for the playoffs before the season starts. It's insane. But, um, you know, some different moves were made, you know, with Miami and Buffalo and the Jets. What do you think is going to shake up in this division? Well, let's start with New England first. They are the Super Bowl champs. I mean, tremendous win in Tom Brady. I know this may be painful for you to hear, man, but he cemented his legacy as the greatest quarterback ever to do it. You know, I mean, some nah. people are still going to say Montana because the guy yeah. never lost in the big yeah. game, but – you know, I mean, you can go either way. I, I wouldn't be against any any type of answer on who the greatest quarterback of all time is. But this is a team that just won a Super Bowl. They went 14-2 and last year, 11-1 and yeah. in the games that Tom Brady played in last mm-hmm. year. And they pretty much just cruised to the yeah. AFC Championship game. You can almost, like you said, you know, you can almost just pencil them in, not only for the playoffs, but the AFC title game. They're going to be one of those yeah. final four teams. Standard, yeah. but listen to the moves that they've made this year. You go out, you get Stephon Gilmore, you steal him from the rival Buffalo Bills to kind of add a little bit more fluidity and depth to your secondary. Uh, you add Mike Gillisley from the Buffalo Bills, you know, to add to your running game. Um, you trade for Dwayne Allen. That's your Martellus Bennett replacement. You know, and no team likes to use their tight ends more than the New England Patriots. I mean, after all, they do have one of the best, if not the best, in Rob Gronkowski when he's healthy. No guy is a better threat over the middle of the field for their quarterback than Rob Gronkowski is. But the move that how good is that team? That having said that, you know, you're absolutely right. But having said that, one of if not the best tight end in the league was pretty much a non-factor on a year they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and you know why <laughs> that is? Because other guys stepped it up, and they used Chris Hogan in a Rob Gronkowski capacity. So the same routes that Gronk would run over the middle, that's exactly what they would do with, with Chris Hogan. Like, he really earned his stripes once yeah. Gronk got down. you got to take advantage of the time, but the biggest move that they made was them acquiring Brandon Cooks. I really like this move, J-Cat, and this team is on a mission to go get six. Their sixth ring and tie the Pittsburgh Steelers for the most Super Bowl championships yeah, I'm not in, uh, in NFL history. And the reason why I like this, number one, the Patriots really haven't had a true threat 
at wide receiver since the Randy Moss days, if you think about it. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what Brandon Cooks is. He's a poor man's Randy Moss. He's 5'11", about 193 pounds. He's pretty much the same size as uh, as Julian Edelman. So he remind, he's a mix of three wide receivers. Uh, in a way, uh, Randy Moss, as I just said, with the ability to take the top off the zone, he's Julian Edelman 2.0, meaning he's able to do more than Julian Edelman can because Julian can't take the tops off defenses, and he's not, a, you know, a, a, a deep threat down the field. He's the guy that likes to go over the middle, run those drag routes, run those curl routes, handle his business over the middle of the field, can move once the ball is out his hand, once the ball is in his hands, and that he's also a little bit of Wes Welker, just the shiftiness, the craftiness, and how fluid he is once the ball is in his hands. And Tom Brady's going to have a lot of fun with this guy. They finally have a true number one wide receiver. He's going to benefit a lot uh, being around him. And pretty impressive start to a career. Went from playing with one legendary quarterback to another in Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but th- before I get into the the other team I want to hear about from this division, uh, I definitely got to just you know put my two cents in about the the Montana Brady argument. And you know everyone's entitled to their opinion, and more people than not are siding with the Brady side of things. But I just think you know when if you applied all the quarterback friendly, wide receiver friendly rules that Brady is allowed. I think if you applied those things to Joe Montana in his time, his records would be untouchable. And obviously, you know, there's no way to dial back the clock and make those things happen. But, you know, there are specific rules that have really, really helped quarterbacks and wide receivers in his league. And Joe Montana didn't have any of that. I mean, he was getting, you know, um, Jim Burt pasting him to the the field and, you know, Pepper Johnson and I mean these guys were just annihilating him and um, you know he just had to take that and still come out of his era as the greatest quarterback of all time so there's another guy who's put up tremendous numbers and Tom Brady's absolutely amazing I mean I'm not taking anything away from him but he's had some rules that have uh, tailored pretty well to the position that he plays you know I think what's made him impressive over these years has been he's been able to go out there and win football games without really a household name, if you think about it. You know, those years when he won his first three Super Bowls, he really didn't have a household name. That's Troy Brown, David Givens, uh, Benjamin Watson, you know, guys like that. And then they try to give him weapons in 07, Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Jabbar Gaffney, uh, Dante Stallworth, Kyle Brady, Christian Fourier, you know, guys like that, they go 16-0, and and they lose the most important game of the right. year. You know, I think his most impressive body of work has probably been 2013. And listen to this, you know, they don't bring back Wes Welker. You sign an often injured Danny Amendola. Gronkowski is out for a majority of that year with back pain, and then he ends with back from back surgery. And then he ends up, not back surgery, he uh, broke his arm. And then he had off-season back surgery, and then he tears his ACL. Obviously the Aaron Hernandez situation. And they still get the two-seat in the AFC and get to the AFC title game with guys who would be, you know, four, number four or number five receivers on other teams. But Tom Brady just has worked 
with what he has. And like you just said, you know, Gronk was a non-factor in them this year winning that Super Bowl. So, right. you know, he's shown that he's able to win without his top weapon. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. He's done quite a bit. But, again, I attribute that a lot more to the Patriots system and Bill Belichick because, you know, when Brady went out and Castle went in, suddenly Castle was the most, you know, sought-out quarterback in the league. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's that system out. is just untouchable. Right. So, but, you know, right. like I said, uh, nothing – I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just a Niner guy, so it's just the right. way I'll I always know. feel. I know exactly how you feel, man. Um, So, you know, a friend of mine's a – he listens to the show. Uh, he's a Buffalo Bills fan. What can you tell me about the off season for the Bills and, uh, you know, what's what's their look coming into this year? Well, they have a new head coach. Rex Ryan's gone, which I think a lot of people are happy about. The guy just isn't built – or or fit or fits the criteria to be a head coach. Now you bring in Sean McDermott. I think he's a defensive minded guy. And that's what Rex Ryan tried to emulate last year by making them a better defense. And you know, they show flashes of being a good defense, but it's always gonna come down to quarterback play. I like Tyrod Taylor. You know, you're talking about a guy mobile can make it happen with his feet, you know, can throw it, uh, can run and get extra yards, and he has nice weapons. Can Sammy Watkins stay healthy, though? You know, I think that's the biggest question, you know, because when he stays healthy, he's pretty. He's a pretty good wide receiver, a deep threat, a, a big body that can go down the field, can make those wild catches. And remember, they traded up to get him because they felt they could build around him. He and Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor could be a pretty fun tandem to watch. Yeah. Um, all right, so we go on to the uh, AFC North. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers still hanging in there as contenders with Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, that dude seems uh, bionic. I don't know how he continues to play the type of game that he plays. He's a big guy, but, man, um, you know, what does this division look like for you? Obviously, Cleveland, you know, won one game last year. They got the top pick in the draft. Uh, you know, they've shaked some things up. And, uh, you know, they had a hell of a draft themselves. Uh, what do you think this division looks like? Uh, well, you know, the Steelers are still the cream of the crop in this division. Roethlisberger, he still makes it happen somehow in their days when I think this guy is just going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the guy, he's a, he's the true definition of a blue-collar football player. He gets out there 75%. Honestly, I'll take a, a 75% Ben Roethlisberger than some other quarterbacks who aren't really elite, but God, those guys who are 100, 100%, you know, who has the luxury of having the one of the best wide receivers in football in Antonio Brown, the best running back in football in Le'Veon Bell, and finally, they were healthy enough to get to the playoffs in all three of them, because it seems like each year, Either one of those guys is down. Le'Veon Bell's been battling some injuries. Antonio Brown would get hurt, or Roethlisberger would get hurt. And they got to the AFC title game last year. Now they're basically in rebuild mode and trying to fix their defense. Because, you know, uh, they drafted J.J. Watt's brother, T.J. Watt. You know, James Harrison is still a force at, what, 40 years old? But we don't know how much longer he's going to play. So that front seven is set up to succeed now. But it's the secondary, I think, that has a lot of problems. And the Steelers have a history of not really having that shut-down corner. It seems like teams have that shut-down corner now. And, 
you know, I just want to see when they're going to get one or will they ever sign one, whether it be free agency or in the draft. Yeah. And uh, you look at the rest of this division and, you know, the second place mm-hmm. team in the Ravens were eight and eight. So, um, you know, definitely nothing dominant as far as being just the next up. Um, you know, Cincinnati not too far behind, Cleveland in the basement, but Cleveland made probably the biggest offseason moves to, you know, do somewhat of a facelift on their team. They get a lot of new looks because, you know, they, they're switching out quarterbacks and coaches and this and that pretty regularly, which is can be good because eventually you're going to hit on something. Um who do you think the next team in this division is? And what do you think of Cleveland? You know, did they finally find the right thing? I would hope because I would hate to see them picking the top three again. You know, just it seems like year after year they struggle and then they're back at the top of the draft boards selecting first overall. Who are they going to make now their franchise player? But they fill all the necessary holes that they had to. You got your defensive player you know, the guy that you can build around and your pass rusher and Miles Garrett, you know, then later you draft Jabril Peppers, which I thought was a really good move. Mr. Versatility himself, a little bit of a liability in coverage, but I think he can improve on that. I mean, he was everything for Jim Harbaugh and those Michigan Wolverines last year. Um, you draft Sean Kaiser and he's working with the right guy. Hugh Jackson is really good at developing quarterbacks. Now, um, I know off topic, you know, Cincinnati, they, they drafted this guy and knocked this girl out. Um, I, I'm personally, I'm not a second chance guy myself. Um, you know, I kind of have just high morals on certain things. Um, and especially when it comes to this thing, because, you know, for a league that, you know, bludgeons me with every time they go to commercial, I got to hear a commercial about, you know, stop domestic violence, stop domestic violence. You know, and then to continue to make people who were domestically violent millionaires. Um, I think when you're on this spotlight, I I think you lose your opportunity to make that type of money in that realm. At least that's what I think. Um, What's your thoughts on it? And this is on who say that again? You were kind of breaking up, man. Uh, um, Cincinnati, they drafted this guy. Uh, Oh, Joe Mixon? Yeah, Mixon. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's tough. You know, it's tough because, yeah, he was in the wrong most definitely. And I just think now this is the league where everybody is kind of given that second chance. You know, Michael Vick took advantage of it when he played. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. some other guys have getting that second chance. So let's see what Joe Mixon can do now. I mean, this guy could have been late first-round talent. You know, you're talking about a guy 5'9", 5'10" almost like a Darren Sproles in some sort of uh, capacity, a guy that could catch it on the halfback screens, could run it, and he's just a speedy guy. He's a gifted athlete, and I think he's going to take the most, make the most out of this opportunity, you know. Sucks what happened, and, you know, um, if you know me or if anybody knows me really well, you know, I'm strongly against a man putting his hands on a woman in the Mm -hmm. incorrect way, as I know you are because you and I have had some, some vocal talks about this and you're not a man if you hit a woman you're a little boy playing yourself absolutely your hands to yourself you know and it's an unfortunate incident sucks that all this came out now but now with um now with joe mixon you know he could be a pretty nice piece to that Bengals offense and they were my biggest winner of the draft 
and I say that because, you know, they selected ninth overall in the first round, and they could have gone a variety of ways. They could have gone defense, mm-hmm. could have got a defensive end or a linebacker. Reuben Foster was projected to go to the Cincinnati Bengals, and they ended up getting John Ross, which made a lot of sense because you lose Muhammad Sanu, you lose Marvin Jones, it's just A.J. Green. There's really no second option because Brandon LaFell's not that now. You have your second option in John Ross, Mr. 4-2-2. I loved him at Washington. He was Jake Browning's go-to guy for a reason. Speedy takes the tops off his owns. Pretty much another Deshaun Jackson, pretty much. And he could easily become the best wide receiver in that division. Yeah. Um, going on to the AFC South, uh, the Houston Texans squeaked it out to be the uh, representative going into the playoffs. Tennessee had the same record. uh you know, the Colts one game behind and obviously Jacksonville down the bottom. This this whole division is up for grabs. You know, what off season moves did you see? What did you like and what do you see this shaking out to be? You know, this division is just kinda eh. It's just kinda that. I like the Titans drafting Corey Davis. They needed another weapon for for Marcus Mariota. He really took steps and showing that he could be that franchise quarterback, and now you have a weapon for him. You still have DeMarco Murray, a pretty good offensive line. Defense, they draft, I think they drafted Tredavious White, if I'm not mistaken. They drafted somebody. I know they drafted a secondary guy because there were a ton of guys to pick from for uh, your defensive backfield. But, you know, Indianapolis, they're just there. You know, they just, they're there. They're not really the team that, we all thought they could be, and sometimes I think Andrew Luck gets a little bit of a pass, if you think about it. Houston, obviously them drafting Deshaun Watson. You know, they finally have their quarterback from the future. They got rid of Brock Osweiler and that large lump sum of cash that they were going to yeah. have to keep paying him if they played for for below-average results. Jacksonville, Jacksonville drafting um, Leonard Fournette I thought was another really – big move as well because they really haven't had a, a solid running attack since Maurice Jones drew. Remember those days when MJD was mm-hmm. playing? Now you have your franchise running back because it just hasn't panned out with TJ Yeldon from Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. With Indianapolis too, they, I, Frank Gore over there, I still wish they wouldn't have never let him go. Uh, he's still a solid still back. And, he's still productive. Yeah. They, uh, I just read something earlier that said uh, he's just got to rush for 600 and change this year, and he'll jump into the fifth all-time rusher spot. He'll jump up three spots to the fifth all-time. Right. Yeah, hey, that's that's crazy. And he's he's rushed over that, I think, 11 out of 12 years of his career. So Incredible. This just goes to show you the durability that this guy has had. Yeah, this is a guy who had two knee surgeries before he hit the NFL, <laughs> you know. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so, finally, the AFC West. Um, a lot of big things going on, even teams that are moving out. Um, I mean, what do, you, what do you see in this? So, Oakland, obviously. My big question here, too, obviously the offseason moves are, you know, key in the draft, but Oakland is – 
losing their team. The team is going to play in Oakland until they're done building the stadium in Vegas and they're moving out. What does that do for the morale of the team, the fans, everything while they're temporarily still in Oakland? Well, man, I didn't see this coming at all. I mean, I know the Raiders, it's a religion out there. Yeah. You know, with that fan base, and they're relevant again. I mean, this is their first time back in the playoffs in, what, 14 or 15 years. And if he didn't go down, I think Derek Carr would have been league MVP because you just look, you take a guy away yeah. from the situation, and they're a different team without him. And you saw how different they were with, you know, oh, yeah. without him. But I think, you know, just think these Oakland fans are going to savor the moment. And it, I hope you don't see it, but get a little crazy out there. You know, oh, yeah. and, you saw how the San Diego fans reacted when they found out the Chargers were being moved to L.A. Yeah, Raider fans are way worse, man. They had to stop letting us play uh, preseason football because there were stabbings in the parking lot. Every San Francisco and um, Oakland yeah, fans crazy. really, really hate each other over there. I've yeah, never had crazy. a problem but because overall, it's not a locality for me. No, it's not. Thank God it's not, man. I need you around. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, overall, as a team, you know, I like the makeup of this team. You know, obviously the big news, Marshawn Lynch coming out of retirement, being traded to Seattle to play for his old hometown team and the Oakland Raiders. And he comes into a really good situation because they have the second-best offensive line of football, not named the Dallas Cowboys. They have nice weapons on the perimeter in Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, that nice tight end over the middle, and Rivera, I think his last name is, I can't think of his first name. Offensive line, like I said, is good. And then Derek Carr, he's the guy that really makes everything go. But Marshawn Lynch, you know, I'm just, I want to see how he's going to come out after, you know, having a year off. Is he still in football shape? Can he still move mm-hmm. as quickly as as he did? And remember, he's older now. He's like 31 years old, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And that's when running backs start to kind of break down and deteriorate. Yeah, he, he was showing a lot of wear and tear. That's why I said, like, the young guy came in and he ended up being just the better go-to back, you know, when, when Marshawn went down. He just he, he just didn't have the fresh legs that, that he did before. And, um, yeah, maybe that year off, you know, puts him in new light. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, you look at a team like a Kansas City. This is the team that won the division last year. And for quite some time last year, I was calling them the potential biggest threat to New England in the AFC. And here's the thing about Kansas City. They're not a flashy football team, J.K. They're not. No. You know, they just they run the football downhill. Their offensive line controls the line of scrimmage. Alex Smith, who you know really well, takes yep. tremendous care of the football. He doesn't turn it over. You know, game he's a manager. game manager that can take a shot or two down the field. They have the best tight, tight end in football, not named Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey. Um, and defensively, this is where it really stands out to me. Marcus Peters has become a top-five corner. Eric Berry, he's their heart and soul. Justin Houston, still their best defensive player, best pass rusher. You have Tom Bahali on the other side. But, you know, I want to see how this team kind of bounces back from losing in the playoffs in heartbreaking fashion the last two years, especially last year at home to the Steelers, and then you lose Don Terry Poe as well. He was your run stopper in the middle, and, you know, in order to win in that division, you got to be able to stop the other team's running games, plain and simple. You need that enforcer in the middle. So I want to see where Andy Reid and them go from here. Denver, 
you know, this is a team that's almost two years removed from winning the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning with Taiyu to give Trevor Simeon a shot, and Trevor Simeon wasn't as bad as people made him seem to be. You know, he was exactly what Gary Kubiak, who was their coach at that time, wanted. You know, a guy that could move the pocket. You know, and they kind of had to go to him now because Brock Osweiler decided to chase the money and go to Houston. You know, and he could have had the perfect opportunity to take after a legend, you know, get on the field mm-hmm. and start for a legend. And Denver's defense, they were good, but they weren't what they were in 2015. And that's because they lost a couple of key pieces. You know, you lose Danny Trevathan and you lose Malik Jackson, and he was their best run stopper. So, you know, I just want to see how Denver bounces back this year. And then you look at uh, you look at the Los Angeles Chargers. Phillip Rivers is still a good quarterback. Did a pretty good thing by drafting Mike Williams. They needed a wide receiver because Keenan Allen can never stay healthy. Antonio right. Gates really doesn't have much longer. That tight end job is Hunter Henry's for the near future, and he's pretty much blossomed in to another weapon for Phillip Rivers over the middle of the field. Then you have Melvin Gordon as well, who really came out and really surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the league. If you had to pick, you know, with these off-season moves and all the different things that have changed, um, if you had to pick two teams that will be surprise entrance into the playoffs next year, who would be your picks? Wow. Two teams? Oh, wow. They come from wherever. Man. Man. Wow, that's a good question. Um you know, I'll throw the Detroit Lions in there because they were in control of that division for quite some time. Matthew Stafford showed you that, you know, there is life after Calvin Johnson. Golden Tate was still a pretty good option for him. Marvin Jones Jr., another veteran option. Need to run the football a little bit better, but defensively this team hits you in the mouth and they have an underrated corner in Darius Slay. That's my NFC pick, and The AFC, you know, I'm going to say Denver. I think Denver can get back to the playoffs. They have a defensive-minded coach now in Vance Mm -hmm. Joseph, and he's going to fix that. I think Trevor Simeon having a year under his belt is going to look to take that next step and kind of become a leader. You know, it's tough to replace a guy like a Peyton Manning, but, you know, someone's got to do it. And I don't know if you can, you know. And I just think now these wide receivers, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, they're a little bit more comfortable with Trevor Simeon than they were the year before because they were still getting acclimated with him. Yeah. And who do you think, uh, out of what you saw in the draft and where they ended up, who do you think is going to be rookie of the year off of your uh, knowledge? um, I'm going to say Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to come in and have an immediate impact. You know, this is a guy who plays with a lot of toughness, a lot of grit, a lot of tenacity, and he's clutch. He has that ice in his veins. We saw that in the national championship, and I remember telling a lot of people, Clemson, they didn't lose to Alabama. They simply ran out of time the first year when they played them. Let them mm-hmm. get back to the national championship, and I think they could be victorious, and they were. Deshaun Watson just put the team on his back. Hmm. All right, man. Yeah, great stuff. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Uh been a long time and definitely want to you know do this again during the season absolutely man thanks for having me have a great rest of the show all right man thanks a lot thanks man yep have a good night so there you go it was christian simpson from the daily blitz uh dailyblitz.net 
I believe is his website. Uh, you can go, he's always writing up things over there. Uh, you know, he's got big articles, you know, he, he really gets down on things. Dude knows what he's talking about. And, um, so yeah, check him out. It's always good having him on. And, um, yeah, like I said, during football season, we'll hear some more out of him and, you know, so I'm going to play this, uh, track right here. Come back. Somebody about to be punished, punished. Rest in peace to my nigga Izzy, Izzy. Rest in peace to my nigga Jay Diller. Rest in peace to my nigga Jay Diller. Rest in peace to my nigga Jay Diller. Diller. Love y'all niggas, man. Watch what I do in honoring y'all name. Streets, feel me. Check it, check it. Nick Boogie. I'm nice with the lead, peel your edges like slices of bread. Precise, become a poltergeist, sticking knives inside of your head. What's the issue? Wanna roll like a roll of toilet you tissue? I continue to expose you niggas that's so superficial. I strip you your obituary, then blow like a missile. Once I blow the whistle, motherfuck, may the forces be with you. Come with a style, I'm wild, I'm pile up my money so close, then call up my sofa. Fucking bitches, I'm back in the rover, then bouncing the cobra back of bitches outside of the Costa Rica area. You love with my features and carry my posters. <laughs> niggas can't fuck with me. Unprecedented, I submitted you changing your flow up while helping you grow up. Niggas know you for sounding, so toe up. Challenging niggas, better hold on the banister. Niggas fuck around, I stuff your body parts in the canister. Niggas, like you don't know the half, I bust your motherfucking ass. Bust a bust cast and papooses, fuck the psychopath. Niggas wanna get hyped out. Yo, 
I know they trying to figure out what the fuck we got going on, pal. This is my ever, y'all niggas is losers. I'm the new ever, like a mistake on your computer. Got the infrared dot, busting you gullible suckers too. Put a dot on your ass like WWW. Make your niggas wanna get hyped out. Make your niggas wanna get hyped out. I need y'all to be clear The name of my new album is called Back on My Bullshit Like I said And I repeat The name of my new album is called Back on My Bullshit The reason that I did that man Is because I just wanted to get the people that shit That they knew and loved Hey man, take the outro shit to the fucking song And I forget about it Don't clip it off The support that y'all offer this situation all right, so um, yeah, I'm back. Um, so today I got four new pigeons. Uh, two of these motherfuckers look like chickens; they're big as hell. Um, and then I got two more that are similar to uh, two other ones that I got. They got like those uh, fluffy feet and um, a little tuft on their head and shit. They're cool. Um, so yeah, um, what, what did I want to get into? Um, so I I was trying to do like a quick show which actually i th- think would have went fantastic man because i ended up doing it like a show without doing a show with the hot tag guys last night um we were trying to get the thing together and it's, something's up with my computer with the uh with the skype hookup there's some kind of pop-up blocker some kind of shit that's blocking some of the stuff i'm trying to do so um i was trying to because there's an option to call in through skype on the blog talk deal but I don't know how to fucking work it. I would click the thing and then it would tell me like, you know, what kind of application you want to use. And I did to Skype and then like nothing would happen. And I think it was some, some kind of shit going on on here. I think some, uh, it might be a pop-up blocker. It might be, I'm not sure. We tried to like troubleshoot this shit for hours, you know, while bullshitting and whatnot, you know, we were all on Skype. And uh, I was going to just do, like, a quick show last night and bullshit about wrestling for an hour or two. And um, it just didn't pan out. So we ended up just bullshitting about wrestling for an hour or two off the air on fucking Skype. So eventually I'll get it together, and it'll be so easy to do shows with guys like that. And, um, yeah, I would have been able to do it with Christian like that. Um, but unfortunately, um, yeah, like I said, uh I don't I don't know what goes on with this thing. I'm horrible with computers, and it frustrates me to no end. Um, you know, so what can I do? Uh, anyway, I went to uh, Great Adventure this past Sunday, and it's the first time in years I've gone. You know, I live so close to all of this type of shit, this and Seaside and this and that, and I never go to them. <laughs> you know, like, people travel two, three, four hours to get to this shit. And I'm like not far away from it at all. And I, I just never go. So anyway, this year is going to be different because I got season passes to it. So this is our first trip out there. It was, you know, definitely a little cold and, uh, you know, a little rainy when we first got there. So that wasn't shit, but, um, you know, I mean, it, it was fun. Um, 
the one thing I'd like to talk about on, on this is the safari. Now, the safari is something that when I was a kid, you would go to and, you know, you would drive your car through. For anyone who hasn't been to the Six Flags Safari, at least the old school one, um, you'd go through, you'd pay whatever admission to the safari was separate from the park. They had like a combo pass where you can, you know, enter both parts. But um, basically, you would drive in and you'd go through different sections. As you went through the section, the animals would just be around you. You know, you, there'd be, you know, a giraffe walking across the road and you'd have to wait for him to cross. And then you can, you know, slowly pull forward and shit. Um, you know, there was obviously like the mishaps, like you'd have um, ostriches just like eating the weather stripping off of your car. And, and um, you know, baboons would just like snap your antenna off and rip your hood ornament off. And, you know, there were obviously some downfalls to the shit that they were doing. And there was obviously, you know, people were trying to steal monkeys. They'd have, you know, people would let a monkey in their car and try to take it home with them and get caught. Um, there were instances where the monkeys got loose or like a few monkeys got loose into the park you know, got out of their enclosure and then just headed off into the park where they were climbing roller coasters because those are the world's largest jungle gym. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you look at the way that they're built structurally um, for a monkey, that's fucking Christmas, you know what I mean? So there was a couple instances of that type of thing. Um, and when I was younger, the uh, the lions would walk, you know, lions, all of that stuff would just walk right past your car like they were right there next to you like they didn't have barriers and uh fences and this and that well you know through years of problems and you know all these different mishaps that i'm talking about they would start to lock down things more and more um the last time i went it it wasn't nearly as good um you know some really cool free roaming stuff and you know the elephants and the bison and the you know the different types of antelopes and stuff like that really cool because they'd be in big large herds and uh I need big and large there but um and you know they're out on these fields and it really looks natural you know and you could really catch like some good pictures of them and you know, they're just living comfortably you know because it's not just like walls holding them up and holding it, you know, locking them down. It, it was pretty nice and wide open. Um, as far as the, the lions and stuff, to me, that was shitty because you're just driving past a cage full of lions. And, you know, realistically, it's not an impress, impressive um, habitat for them. Um, not at all. And I'll get back in there in a second. But, um, and then when you got to where the monkeys were all the primates and stuff, they had caged them as well. Um, which, you know, through all the things that were happening, I really don't blame them. And, uh, it was funny cause they actually gave them like a piece of roller coaster. There was like a loop from like the Viper ride. It was, uh, like a retired roller coaster. And they took, uh, I, I guess they cut like a, a half of a loop or something and put it in there and the monkeys would swing off of it and they had a fucking great time. But um, that was the last time I went to the actual drive through safari. And so you could see that, you know, some things were headed downhill and um, things have changed enough where you definitely lost a good uh, bit of what the safari was. Um, now, what they've done recently is they shut down the safari as far as the drive through attraction. Um, this is, I guess, a couple of years ago, but I haven't been now there in a couple of years. Um 
what they did is they turned it into their own um, guided safari. So you'll stand in line for it like any other ride in the park. And, you know, you'll take like these trucks, they load up these trucks with all the people in the back and they'll drive through and they'll tell you about the animals and everything else, um, which for the most part, it's very nice. Um, obviously, you know, the part where you're standing in line, not so nice. Um, you know, just like any other ride, she could have you waiting for a while. You know, you see a sign soon after you get in there that says like, from this point, it's a 90 minute wait. Like, so, you know, and we didn't have to wait quite that far. We were able to skip forward a little bit. So it was probably somewhere in like the 45 minute range where we had to wait. So, you know, she could be a little, she's a little, a little rough, you know, and, uh, you know, with a safari, it's also hit and miss on where the animals are going to be, what kind of view you're going to get. So if you're just getting a quick breeze through on someone else's guide, you know, again, it's going to be a little bit more hit and miss. Um, my biggest criticism of this is, well, number one, there's no primates anymore at all. They were such a big staple before where they were climbing on your cars and fucking, you know, all of that shit going from ripping people's stuff apart and, um, you know, being super entertaining, plastering themselves on your windshield and, uh, you know, doing whatever they want to do, good or bad. And um, you go from that to not having an exhibit for them at all. Um, that to me is kind of strange. Um, I know it's, it's very limiting as far as, uh, you know, what you can do to display primates because they are so agile and athletic and it's really hard to contain them in a way where they're going to be openly viewed. Um, so to a certain extent, I, I get it. Um, now the part that I don't get, and I think needs to be changed immediately, like they should be in like heavy, heavy plans to do something about this is, is the cats. Because again, the cats, your guided tour is driving past a cage full of lions and a cage, cages of tigers. Their habitats again, aren't that impressive. Um, look, you know, inside the park, we got four funnel cakes and uh, a cup that you refill. You know, you, you can get soda like every time you come there, if you bring the cup back and it costs you like a dollar per refill and shit. Um, so four funnel cakes and that cup, it cost me like $60. You know what I mean? Like straight the fuck up. Like I'm not bullshitting $60. So this, this, organization brings in billions upon billions of dollars like ser- like no fucking joke man they make insane amounts of money um now if, uh, i know as far as housing cats and um you know enclosures that can be done for them you can do moated enclosures so you have a clear viewing path and there's no fence in front of you you can make a giant, giant moat that they can never, ever cross, that there's no chance that they can cross that. So your path, you know, would go down. Yeah, your driving path would go down the middle of the road. You, there'd be big moats on either side, which obviously you could put little walls or fences. So, you know, no worries about the, the truck falling into a moat or anything. But um, and, you know, it could even be on a, a somewhat of a lower level you know, where it's like a drop down and then you could build whatever sorts of, you know, uh, cavernous 
rocky, you know, enclosure where they look like they're just fucking set up, give them a ton of room, give them whatever kind of, you know, land you want. But with the amount of money they, they make, I mean, you, when you drive through that tiger shit, it should look like fucking Asia, you know, or, you know, obviously there's tigers from outside of Asia. I mean, whatever you want to cater it to, it should look, I mean, you, you look at some of the stuff that the Disney parks do and great adventure makes equivalent to that type of money, you know, because they're, they're the only show in town. So as far as a Jersey theme park goes, there's nothing bigger than, than six flags, great adventure. And they have, so many different uh, parks across the country they they rake in enough money to make this a fucking spectacle and and i really think they need to step up their game when it comes to that i I absolutely do um i know now it's kind of i guess it's kind of touchy because it's become just another ride uh, to someone like me it's it's tremendously important it's probably the thing i would look forward to the most going to the park but I wonder how much further they're going to go into actually, you know, putting into this safari now that it's become just another ride or attraction more so than another admission that people are bringing into the park. So it really, it concerns me a little bit. And like I said, there's, there is so much good to it still where you see the free roaming giraffes and they have a place where you can stop in the middle and actually feed the giraffes. So we missed the time cut off to do that, but, um, that's, you know, part of the thing where you could stop at this halfway point, get off, you know, and then you can catch like the next bus that comes through or whatever truck, whatever you want to call them. Um, and you know, you, they have refreshments there or whatever, which I'm sure costs fucking sixty dollars as well and um you know you can go and fucking feed giraffes there i mean that's cool as hell and the way that it's open these um these things the giraffes can already if they want to just come right up to the trucks and stick their head in if they want but they don't they don't give you a whole lot of time for that to even happen so um you know it is what it is um they kind of move it along pretty quick um nothing nothing crazy but you know it's um it it needs improvement. It definitely needs improvement. Um, obviously very, very promising because they do have a tremendous amount of animals there and it's always, you know, the highlight for me to see that type of thing. But, um, I, man, I, I just want to see it done impressive because I, I mean, it, this is not a low budget, you know, situation as far as them building habitats for animals that are just, you know, downright impressive. The animals themselves look great. They're, very well cared for there's nothing shabby about them but um you know that they could step up their fucking game especially as far as the cat enclosures go because yeah come on man i I don't want to drive by a cage full of fucking lions that that's silly you know you go walk up to a cage of lions in a normal zoo and um you know and even that a lot of these zoos like the bronx zoo the majority of their their stuff is open view you know, uh, or you're looking through glass. It's it's not so much with that fence shit anymore. There's some stuff, again, the primates, sometimes you're limited. You know, Bronx has the fantastic fucking gorilla joint with the, the glass viewing situation. But um, the primates, sometimes you're limited, is especially with, like, outdoors enclosures because, um, you know, without you know, the proper containment, <laughs> they could, they could pull off some pretty amazing things and you, you don't need escapes. So, um, even if, 
you know, their plan eliminated primates from their exhibit. I, I get it. But uh, cat-wise, they can make it happen. So I, I'm hoping to see some changes in the future there with that. Um, so that's that. Um, what else? I um... Oh, yeah, these fucking dickhead kids, man. Um, we went through with well, shithead kids. We went through the park. Uh, noticed that, you know, this, this uh, shit emoji. Well, apparently this has become such a big thing that they've made legitimate hats for the kids to wear. That's a shit emoji. And I mean, it doesn't take a genius to come up with the math that these are shitheads. They're labeling and accepting the fact that they're shitheads. And to me, it's good on one point because they're now eliminating the need to talk to them at all. You know, you never need to talk or socialize with this person ever, ever in life. You've already determined from afar that they're shitheads. And um, I, I just, there's a certain part of this uh, generation and overall the way that people carry themselves that I'll never understand. I'm not going to, I'm not going to adjust to that mentality where I think it's really cool to walk around with an animated piece of shit on your head. Like, like there's something okay about that. Yeah. I mean, like, there, there's, fuck, man, there, there's places I've been where they'll rip apart every bit of your, you know, your attire, you, you, you lose a fucking, you know, an, uh, a metal ring on your shoelaces and shit, you know, someone's gonna fucking pick it apart, look at them old ass fucking shoelaces, where do you get that old ass fucking pair of boots, what kind of shit is this? Look at this motherfucker's boots. They'll call their fucking cousin over just to look at your boots and shit. So we go from that to people wearing plush animated shit on their head and just walking around like that's just part of the day. Like it's it's no different than, uh, I mean, sure, it's no different than like, like an eagle hat. But, I mean, come on, man. I mean, where where is motherfuckers' pride? There is no pride left in this motherfucker. It's unbelievable, unfucking believable. So, um, I got my uh, Spartan Sprint race on Saturday coming up. Very very excited about that. It's uh, it's in City Field where the Mets play over there. Uh, I did it last year in there, and and it's it's refreshing because, you know. All the other races I race are dirty, muddy, mountain, hilly, you know, all that different type of stuff. And I love it. But this is like such a such a break from that while really still pushing yourself physically because, man, you run the fuck out of them stairs and, uh, you know, a bunch of different challenges in there. But fucking keyword fucking stairs. You, I feel like you touch every step in that motherfucking stadium. Uh, carry shit up the stairs, carry shit down the stairs, fucking run, 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 run the stairs like a motherfucker. Like Rocky ain't got shit on the amount of stairs you run in this fucking thing. Only a uh, big challenge I'm seeing right now. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's a challenge either way because you push yourself to, you know, do your best, but the um, fucking rain. It's calling for straight up rain. So we're going to wet the fuck out of a bunch of stairs, a lot of metal stairs, concrete stairs, everything else. And then we're going to go forward and try to just fucking sprint upstairs for a couple hours. That is going to be pretty dangerous. So um, I'm looking forward to it, though. Uh, We're going to see what goes on. Um, 
I got my girls running their first uh, their first kids races too. I got the little ones running the half mile and uh, the big one running the full mile. So um, you know that's how their age brackets line up or whatever. Um, so I'm super excited to see them do their thing there, and uh, you know and then follow with me doing my thing. So um, it's going to be really exciting. Um, I I think I touched on it briefly, but I want to get into a little bit more detail about this this circuit training thing because it, shit has really excited me. See, you know when you train and you do different shit in the gym. You know, you could fall into your routines and you could just get used to pushing weight, pushing weight, pushing weight. And, you know, every week it just becomes your routine. It's just how much, you know, what can you do with the bench? What could you do with the, uh, you know, um, you know, with the squat rack? What, what could you do with this? What could you do with that? And then, you know, you push yourself and you try to, you know, top this and top that. And you maybe you switch up your routines a little bit, but you're still following a lot of what the same pattern is. And, you know, you fall into a lot of habits that, you know, you, you take about the same type of rest, you take, you know, you do this and, you know, your body is getting pretty used to stuff. So if you find something that suddenly you're really having to push yourself or afterwards you're feeling like, holy shit, like that's, that's hitting a good Avenue. Um, I never knew what circuit training was. A lot of times I'll just hear shit and Google it and find out what the fuck they're talking about. And then, um, you know, look into it and you know, see if it's for me or not. So just going to give like the complete layman circuit training explanation because, you know, I'm no personal trainer or nothing like that. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, educate you on some higher level on shit, but basically what it is is, and uh, I recommend the app Seconds. Oh, I have Seconds Pro, so you can save all your shit, too. I think it's like a couple bucks. Um, and what it is is you set timers on your um, on your phone, right? And uh, so, so just say, like, you take, like, six or eight exercises, right? Um, so let's say legs. So... Go up there, you know, find wherever your, you know, like your box jump setting shit is, right? Grab your bar, couple, you know, free weights. So now you're going to do, let's just say, this is what I did yesterday. Um, squats, lunges, um, step ups, box jumps, um, Romanian deadlifts, um, trying to think of what else I did that might I don't know if that was six I don't know so let's just say that was six um so you're gonna set your clock and you can set it for every type of times you want to do whatever you want to push um set your clock for 30 seconds per exercise right and then set your rest for like 45 seconds set like three four sets for you to do of this whole routine and then what's cool on this app is you could set up your your um your music to cue in with what you're doing. So you know, put on some fucking put on some fucking onyx on your, your working sets and then put on some fucking Stevie Wonder on your rest sets. Yeah you know I mean? So you'll be fucking going hard as a fucking onyx 
Yeah, I mean, for that 30 seconds. And with that 30 seconds, you know, you're no longer trying to get like, oh, I'm going to do 15 reps of this or I'm going to do – you're going to use whatever, you know, manageable lightweight, but you're going to fucking push as much as you can out of that fucking 30 seconds. And then, boom, rest. And then on comes Stevie Wonder. Now you're just jiving and shit. You know what I mean? And then fucking it'll tell you like halfway point. So, you know, like, all right, got to get ready for that next fucking exercise. So maybe if it's squats, you want to get that bar on your back and shit and get ready for, you know, the three, two, one, boom, the onyx back on, you know, and now you're rocking to that shit. Bam, bam, bam. And then fucking, you know, fucking crazy as you can for that 30 seconds. And, you know, you can set it to a minute, set your rest times lower, higher, whatever you want to do. And then once you get through your whole set, I usually put like a two minute rest period um, in between sets. So you get through like your six, eight exercises, whatever. And then fucking boom, it's your rest set, you know, in a nice fucking chill rest song or whatever. Yeah. You'll, you'll hear like, Oh, halfway point. I mean, all right, we're about to get the shit on again, get your shit ready. And then boom, you get into your next set. And I'm telling you about that third set. Whatever, you know, light manageable weight you were using, that shit is fucking rough. And you're pushing yourself through these fucking these sets. And you could do it with anything. I mean, that's that's like a little example of like a leg deal. Yeah, I mean, you could do the same type of shit with, you know, shoulders, arms, fucking back. I mean, anything. It's just, you know, find yourself a station where you could do a bunch of different exercises regardless of what they are. And you could just jump from the next one to the next one and shit. And I'm telling you, you get rolling through these things, man. Afterwards, you feel like you're going to fucking, I mean, you feel burnt out. Like you really fucking put on a good, you know, fucking session. It definitely, it definitely hit me up in a way where, you know, I didn't feel like it was just yeah, another day at the gym, muscles a little sore or whatever, man. You left feeling like, yo, I just, <laughs> I just been through some shit. So I know I'm getting, you know, um, good progress off of that. So I, I like to do that. I like to do like, you know, a good like circuit training now, which it'll usually be about like a half hour that that three, four sets, the whole the whole thing together. Yeah, you know I mean, when the whole circuit is done, that's about a half hour. And then I'll figure out whatever one thing I want to work and then go hit, you know, whatever machines or free weights to really hit, you know, a couple sets of this, a couple sets of this, a couple sets of this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something else to try for sure if you've never done it before. Um, like I said, I like the app Seconds Pro because, um, you know, and it's, it's got the big giant display on your fucking phone. It tells you, you know, the, the exercise is up next. It's got the big fucking clock counting down on you and shit. And like I said, you could, you could, you know, manipulate whatever music, whatever track you want for every single movement that you do, you you could have in there too. And, and it like, whatever you type in, whatever exercise you type in, they tell you too, like you could type in any kind of shit and she's going to be like fucking arm curls. You know, she's just going to read it off. Like, yeah, I mean, crazy ass technology. So I recommend that shit. If you never tried it before, Download that fucking app, and I ain't getting no fucking money for this shit, unfortunately. But, um, so, yeah, download a fucking app, and just, just do what you do. Set up your own shit, you know, before you go to the gym, fucking figure out what you want to do, type in your exercises, your times, and then just hit fucking start when you're up in there, and just fucking hit it. 
So that's uh, I think that's about it. Like I said, I'm gonna have some uh, some fucking uh, Spartan shit to talk about next week. Um, yeah. Um, next week I-, I keep saying this, so who knows if I'm gonna do it or not, but. Next week, maybe, I'm going to get into the whole CCW, why I haven't watched it in, like, damn near six months. Uh, I'm going to go through the results and all that. Whenever I finally do it, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go through results, my feelings on the booking, uh, reason why I'm not interested, um, maybe watch a couple of matches, my opinions on this and this, the direction that it looks like they're going, because um, I already have a lot, a lot of feelings. So it's just, just doing the a little bit of extra you know whatever research or whatever and then just going in on all this shit because uh to me it's, it's just trash that that's going on right now and uh i'm just not interested and for a guy who you know started watching czw in 2001 from there went back watched all the shit that i missed and really haven't missed the fucking show you know for me to not watch for six months there's there's a lot going on and um yeah, I, I'll leave that for next week, which I I don't even want to say hope because maybe I hope, maybe I fucking don't. Uh, it really depends on how I'm feeling. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I definitely uh, will talk. I, I promise to talk wrestling next week in some capacity. Not for the whole show. Um, like I said, for the show to continue, to, in my opinion, I, I got to listen to fucking wrestling talk because I've watched – almost no wrestling. I I've lessened my wrestling watching. So there's no way that week in week out, I'm going to come here and profess fucking wrestling, uh, you know, for two hours. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll hit a lot of topics. Like I said, it's not going to be an NFL show or anything like that. This is the last, uh, NFL you'll hear eh, maybe a little tidbits here and there, but, um, no, no heavy NFL talk until at least the season. And, and then I still even keep it light. You know, I, I try not to, bludgeoning it because that shit doesn't hold up in the long run as far as uh going back and listening to an old show you, you generally don't want to hear what someone thought about two years ago's fucking season so anyway um check out the hot tag podcast uh those guys are actually going live tomorrow uh they were gonna do it tonight something came up i don't know like i said if my shit wasn't fucking up over here you'd have show from last night show tonight I'm going to be able to do a lot more of this shit whenever I get this fucking Skype shit figured out with the blog talk, and hopefully I can get that lined up. Uh, I'm going to have to talk to some people that know computers far more than I do. Um, Check out the sports then. You want to hear some more fucking sports talk? You want to hear some football, baseball, fucking hockey, all that type of shit? Check out sports then. Uh, I think that's all I got. Sports Den, Hot Tag. Yeah, man. Um, So check all that shit out. Uh, Let me see. Fuck, man. Uh, Where the fuck is my outro? That is my famous last words. Where the fuck is my outro? Uh, uh, All right. Check out motherfuckers later. Peace. I love all of y'all, and, uh... That's not it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It, what happened is, 
you know, I make uh, uh, all these fucking outros, and then uh, I don't delete the old ones. All right, check in, motherfuckers, next week, please. Talk to y'all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's rain again. I'm tired as rain. Makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good. Black cheese tell me, tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people. And I'm like, well, I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. The Cusa Kids Radio. Jesus! So say goodnight to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something, the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no fools.